Amen. Awesome. Well, I'm glad you're here. Welcome to the 9 o'clock. You guys doing good this morning? You feeling strong? So it doesn't surprise me that as I knew last week the message was going to be persevering through discouragement is that I would have my own uh, thing to persevere through this week. I realized real quickly when you're playing basketball with the college guys that are back in town is I'm not in college anymore and I don't keep my body as it should be when I was in college. So when you push yourself a little too hard, how many of you know you get injury prone at that point? It was real weird. We were playing. We played in the morning from about uh, 10 uh, to 12.30, and then we took a healthy lunch break and went and got some Wendy's, a little four for four. Um, And then we came back, and then we began playing some more basketball. And uh, at that point, I had a a bum ankle, so I had that wrapped up, but hey, I kept persevering. And then uh, feeling really good in this game, and there was a, a, a ball that I was about to go out of bounds, so I had a burst of confidence or a burst of come to find, and I ran after that ball and was going to try to save it, dove into uh, the chairs, broke a couple chairs, but that didn't cause this. You think it would, Well, then it wasn't 10 minutes after when I was dribbling down the court and just was making a simple pass like this, and at that point felt all the strength leave my arm, a ripping I felt in uh, my shoulder. And I dislocated my shoulder Friday night. So, But hey, we're going to persevere this morning. And we're going to keep preaching. Because I believe God has a word for you. And you know what's neat on a, on a, on a deeper note? You know, I, the season that God has our church in right now is very pivotal, pivotal. The changes we're making, where we believe God is taking us. And uh, me and my mom were talking. And uh, we look uh, at dreams books. And you have to look at when things happen. But when you, we looked at what a shoulder represented, and it represents support, and uh, how the enemy would love nothing more than to take support, than to take uh, our confidence, to bring discouragement in a season that's so pivotal, pivotal in this time in our church. And I want to let you know that I'm so thankful that you're here early at 9 o'clock this morning, that your support is here. It means the world to me and Bree personally, and uh, this is a family. And we're with each other in the good, we're with each other in the bad, and hey, we're with each other even in the ugly. But I believe God has a word for you this morning. You guys ready to hear the word this morning? Awesome. Well, if you have your Bibles, you can open it to the book of Haggai. Uh, You might be thinking, where the heck is Haggai in the Old Testament? Well, it's between Zephaniah and Zechariah. You might still be thinking, where the heck is Zephaniah and Zechariah? It's okay, I won't tell on you. Go to your concordance, you can find it. It's Old Testament, I'll give you that one. But Haggai is an awesome book of the Bible. It's uh, one that helped lay the foundation here at this church and uh, has a beautiful message in it. And it's a great message for the first of the year when we look at our lives and we go before God and ask God, what are cracks in my temple? What are areas where... your house lies in ruins. I've been sitting here in my fine paneled house. I look at my spiritual life or my journey with you and I see some cracks or I see some places that lie in ruins and I want to ask the tough question. I want to examine myself and I want the Holy Spirit to come and have residence in my life. Last week we looked at Haggai chapter 1 where 
the Spirit of the Lord came upon Haggai, and Haggai spoke for God to the, to the Israelites. And the Israelites were at a place of, uh, where they were finally released from captivity. They move in uh, back to the promised land, and they begin rebuilding the temple. But as they rebuilt, they just built the foundation, and they built an altar and stopped there. And uh, as they stopped, the Samaritans who were, uh, had taken residence in that land at the time began coming and saying, Why do you, you don't have to do all that. You, you've done just enough. Now let's go focus on our families, on our schools, and our communities. God's got what he needs, bare minimum. We talked, we don't want to be bare minimum Christians, but we want to choose the what? The hard right over the easy wrong. Awesome. The hard right over the easy wrong. That's what we focused in on last week. And in Haggai, he says, uh, and you'll see it echoed all throughout the, the two chapters of Haggai, consider your ways. Consider your ways because uh, when you look at your life, you, you drink, but you never have your fill. It says you put your bag, you put your money in bags, but it, it's though it has holes in it. So you're never uh, sustained or you're never keeping, you're never you're like the hamster on the wheel that's constantly running but not going anywhere, not accomplishing anything. I've been in a, a season of that, of that in my life. And if you see, find yourself in a season or you find yourself persevering and doing everything you know to do but feel like you're just stuck. Anybody ever just feel like you've been stuck? Haggai is a great place to turn to because it says consider your ways. Allow the light of heaven to shine upon your lives and give permission of the Holy Spirit to come and, and to give an overview, to look at your life. Man, I really want to talk with this hand, but I can't this morning. So I want to open up our Bibles, and I want to look at, at Haggai chapter 1. I want to pick up uh, where we left off. So they begin, uh, the word of the Lord came, and, and they are getting excited about focusing back on the temple. Just like many of us, when uh, 2018 rolls around, we get excited about getting back in the gym. We get excited uh, about getting out of debt again. We get excited, hey, I'm going to focus in on my kids. They just had an awesome Christmas, but let's keep the spirit of Christmas going in the house and in the home where everything, everyone's happy, everyone's excited. And so we see that there's this excitement uh, with the Israelites as Haggai is encouraging them. And so we see, you look at the timeline of, of Haggai and when the word of the Lord first came, and it was uh, 24 days later when they finally as we looked last week, they finally started to go up to the mountain. They were bringing down the timber, and they were building the house. So when I was reading that, I said, man, it took them 24 days to actually begin after God spoke. And I started thinking in, in the words of uh, many of my teachers here at Zion Christian Academy growing up, uh, started ringing through my head, and it, and it sounds a little something like this as I was reading it. Now, Garrett, delayed obedience is disobedience. Anybody ever heard that one before? So they, it's not that they weren't necessarily, we weren't going to do this, but I think they were in that struggle of, are we ready to embark on rebuilding the temple again? And so they kind of delayed themselves before jumping in and doing what God had commanded them to do. It's kind of like some of you know you want to get back in shape. You see that you can enroll in Crunch for nine bucks a month they do everything to try to get you in the door, but it takes you getting in your car, going there, signing up, and being consistent with it. The same is with the Israelites. They had the same struggles we do when we want to make change in our life or we want to make space 
for God in our lives. Many of you, it's getting up, it's getting to church, it's getting up, it's being on time. All the little things in our life, in, in um, Songs of Solomon, it says that the little foxes are the ones that spoil the vine. It's not the big things in our life. It's not, man, I don't want to break the big Ten Commandments. It's usually the little things that will just go and nibble, and before you know it, your vine is destroyed. So Haggai even speaks to the little things in our life, the little areas of compromise, that, man, give room for the Holy Spirit to heal those areas of compromise, to make you strong, to uh, seal the cracks in your life. Haggai 1.13 says, Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. So this is the message of encouragement. He says, I am with you. Look to your neighbor and say, I am with you, declares the Lord. Look what it says in verse 14. It says, so the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shittil, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God. So they haven't made the decision to go up to the mountain, to bring down the timber and to build the house as we looked at. And so God comes and he begins to stir them. How many of you are thankful that God is good enough to come and stir us to begin for us to move toward him? Or when he puts a dream or an opportunity in our life, when God begins to stir that, that's usually the, the hidden ingredient that gives us uh, the ability to take that step of faith. So he says, hey, I'm going to be with you in this. You're not doing this on your own. I am with you. And I'm going to stir the spirit of the governor. I'm going to stir the spirit of the priest. And uh, I'm stirring the spirit of Haggai, the prophet. So you see he's stirring the spirit of the leadership. And then it says that he stirred the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. And I love it because when it began to be stirred, unity began to come together. And it says that they began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty. When you're building a temple for God to come to have a place to dwell, you can't do it all on your own. God gives us the church. He gives us his word. He gives us the Holy Spirit. He gives us so many ingredients. He gives us fasting. He gives us uh, giving. All these things where we can build a place for him to come and live. And you know what's neat, and this should encourage you as you're, uh, as you're hearing, I pray throughout this week as I did. I wish I would have considered my ways and not have pushed myself as far as I would have. Because when you don't consider your ways, there's usually a consequence on the other end of it. And so we know because the Israelites didn't consider their ways, there was famine in the land, there was poverty, there wasn't prosperity. And so when this message came, it came when the Israelites were ready to hear. They had exhausted everything that they knew to do, and now they were finally ready to turn to God. As Christians, as people, it usually takes that place where we've tried everything ourselves, we've exhausted, and then we finally turn to God. Anybody ever been there before? It's a lot of the time our human nature. So the Israelites were in that place. And what's neat as well, and again, this is where it should encourage you, is when Solomon had built the amazing temple in that time and in that ecosystem and that economy, if you go and read, the land was very blessed and was very prosperous. So when they were building the temple and getting all the, all the goods and the materials, they were building out of a place of prosperity. 
You know, they had the funds and the money to go and build, but the people of Haggai, they were building out of a struggle. They were building out of a sacrifice. They were willing to go up way into the mountains to cut down the timber, to do the hard work to build the temple. The temple. And many of us find ourselves, usually all the dots aren't connected, all the ducks aren't in a row, the money isn't there, the, the, the resources aren't there. We usually progress in life usually in a constant state of struggle because the enemy hates you. He doesn't want you to find your purpose or your destiny. Life is life a lot of the times. Kids are kids. Marriage is marriage. Work is work. That there's this constant place of struggle. It's not, God's blessing is not absent of struggle. It's provision and power in the midst of struggle for your life. Stop wishing away the struggle. Embrace the season you're in. Trust God for his ability and his power. And watch as he makes you strong through the struggle. And in the struggle, your temple is built. It's amazing how it works. And so in the midst of their struggle, a stirring began to happen. And Peter, I remember at the first of the year, I saw something on Facebook you shared that we don't make resolutions, we make declarations. And as the body of Christ, let's make declarations this year. Not resolutions or nice little goals, but let's declare what God says about us, what his word says about a situation, and let's allow a stirring begin to happen. Matter of fact, I want you to lift your hands right now and let's just ask for a stirring of the Holy Spirit in our lives and our temple. In the name of Jesus, we just ask right now for a stirring to begin to happen. We declare and decree in the name of Jesus that you are with us. The power of God goes before us. God, that no matter what the struggle, you want to put a temple within us. God, where you can come and dwell and speak to us, give us dreams, give us words, show us the path you have for us to take. So right now, we decree and declare a stirring to begin to happen in our lives, just as it happened in the book of Haggai. And when that stirring comes, unity happens in our lives, chaos leaves, and then we can begin to build the house. In Jesus' name we pray, everybody said, amen. 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 And so we see, as uh, we continue on, God encourages them. He says, I'm with you. Let's begin to build. And as you look at, uh, as you look at the second uh, Haggai 2 verse 3, it says, Who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? You know what's neat? You back up and you look and you look at the timeline so after the, the stirring had begun to happen, they began to build. And then after about a month, you'll see that they just stopped. And then um, after a month, this word came. Haggai comes back. He said, what? A stirring just came. God spoke to you, and now you've stopped again. You've gotten lazy. Or even more so, you started comparing this temple to Solomon's temple, and you just got really discouraged. And so you see again, Haggai shows up and says, why are you being discouraged? Why are you looking at the former glory of the temple? Focus on now, get out of the past and focus on now. Now, if you do a little study and you look at Haggai at the time, when he wrote the book of Haggai, he would be in his upper 70s and he was uh, old enough to even remember Solomon's temple. He would have been a teenager at the time. So he would have been there seeing the temple built, seeing the glory of the temple. 
So I can even tell you as the one who was being the mouthpiece of God that there was discouragement there. It's like, man, why has God chosen me to build this temple? I'm, I'm no Solomon. I can't do this. So we even know that I'm sure Haggai struggled with discouragement. It's like many of us when we uh, enroll in the gym and we go hard for a month. We don't see any results. We uh, are doing a little fasting in between. We're doing green smoothies. Uh, we're on diets. And somehow we get on the scale a month later and we gain weight. Some- <laughs> anybody that ever happened to anybody? And you get really discouraged. You started strong. You're, you're doing everything you know to do. You're eating like you should. And then the results aren't what you expected. So you get discouraged and you just kind of stop. You're like, well, this isn't working. But how many of you know when you persevere through discouragement is when you see God begin to move? And so he's telling the Israelites, stop comparing and stop being discouragement. Stop comparing and stop being discouraged. Look what verse 4 says. It says, but now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest. Be strong. Look at somebody and say, be strong. All you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. Say work. Work. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. And so we see here, he's saying, hey, be strong and go to work. You know, as I was reading this, we love, as I shared last week, we love steps four, five, and six. We love to dream. We love to plan about our lives. But what he's saying here, he's not saying, dream the dream, he's saying be strong and go to work. He's not saying talk the talk, he's saying do the work. He's not saying don't compare your life with others, he's saying focus on your life, focus on your walk with God and do the work that's necessary. One thing I realized too is it's usually the very thing that hurts you now or the very struggle that hurts you now is the very thing that will transform your life down the road. You look at the season of struggle you feel you find yourself in Maybe you've gone through a struggle and you've come out victorious on the other side. You can look back at that struggle now and you could see that that, that that was a season or that was a moment that God used to get you to where you're at today. Because God works every single thing out for the good of those who love him. It's amazing. And so he says, be strong. And he says, do the work. You know what's neat? And I think what we need to be reminded of is our past. You know, there's things from 2017 that God doesn't want you to take into 2018. And I was thinking of uh, Joshua chapter 4, when the Israelites crossed the Jordan River. God had done a miracle for them to cross the river. And after the miracle had happened, you'll see where it says they went and they took 12 stones to build a memorial to remember, man, God had moved for us. Now, what's important to know about when God has moved in our past and seeing how the Israelites took the stones is they didn't stay there in that place. They didn't turn the Jordan River area into an altar and say, man, this was the location where God did a miracle. So now we're going to stay here and build this memorial. We're going to build a a, a church because we want to be remembered that God moved at this time in our life. They went and they took stones. They took them with them and they built a memorial where they were. So many times we have to know in our past, God moved there, but he doesn't intend us to stay there. He continues to keep us moving forward. 
God has moved powerfully in this church, but we uh, as a body and as a church and all of us together are taking a leap of faith and saying, God, we want to trust you in two services. We want to make room for you. We want to make room for you in small groups. We want to go live uh, on live stream. We might not know what we're doing 100%, but we're trusting you and we're going to learn along the way and trusting God. We want to build a memorial, but we don't want to stay there in our past. Another word that uh, I had listened to from a mentor of mine, he talked a lot about friendships and relationships in your past. That there are certain relationships and friendships in 2017 that God doesn't want you to take in to 2018. And he said this, he said, your crew determines your view. And he said that... Uh, the dreams and the, the plans that God is putting in your life, the right crew or the right friends will either make them die or make them fly. Your crew, your relationships are important in your life. Who is in your circle? Who's around you? Who are you listening to? Are they constantly being negative? Are they constantly telling you can't? Are they just uh, taking from you or draining you? It's important that you have the right crew, the right relationships around your life. Another thing is to a principle that we know is true. And if you ever read any John Maxwell books, you'll see that this principle of life and leadership he preaches on. He says, successful people do consistently what normal people do occasionally. Successful people do consistently what normal people do occasionally. How many of you know that to be true? If you want to be successful in your life, you have to be consistent. Where uh, you look at maybe other people your age or in the same season of life and they feel that they're stuck or, or they're trying to go after God, but they might only come to church once a month or they might only open their Bible temporarily or you know, they're not getting themselves in the presence of God, you're going to remain stuck and you're not going to grow. You have to be consistent if you want to be successful in building your temple. There's a difference there. And that's, again, what Haggai is trying to encourage the people is to be strong and to do the work. You know, what else he begins to say is as they were being distracted, uh, there was two things that I was praying that I felt God just lay on my heart of, or of what are the causes of discouragement. And I think in the world we live in, these are things that we deal with. The two causes of discouragement, and Sarah, if you want to put these up on the screens, is comparison and it's lack of progress. As you're going into 2018, causes of discouragement in your life are comparisons and lack of progress. Again, this is what the Israelites were struggling with. They were processing through is they begin to, to compare their starting point with Solomon's ending. So many times in our life, we compare where we have started with someone who's put 20 years of work into it, has been consistent. You know, you see blessing in their life, and you're, you're taking your starting point, and you're comparing it with their ending point, and then you just feel awful. To even bring it down more to reality... You know, you see your family, and then you might see another family over here. This family, man, they get their kids early to school on time. Their hair looks great. They smell awesome. 
They have home-baked goods in their lunchbox every week, every day. And then, man, your family, and this is most of our families, you're lucky to get the kids out of bed. Their hair is not looking good. And you're just, you just throw lunch money at them and say, you're just eating whatever they're offering today. <laughs> this family, again, over here, they're always on vacation. They take beautiful pictures of sunsets. And over here, you're just lucky enough that you can afford to go to Kroger. And then you start comparing your family to their family, or you see this marriage, and you see, man, they are so in love. They just flow, and God is just with them. And you just, you can't even get over who's going to do the dishes and who not, who's not going to do the dishes, and it's causing contentment in your marriage. And so you start comparing, and then if you want to feel really good about yourself, you go on social media and you look at all their highlight reels of how good their life is, how awesome they look, and then you start feeling really good about yourself. I'm telling you, this is the trap that the enemy puts a culture and puts a generation in of just constant comparison. And then you start comparing yourself, and then you start feeling terrible. You start, jealousy starts creeping in. That's a fun one that comes. And then it starts tearing relationships down. It tears families down. It tears churches down. And then, again, you might feel that you've been doing everything you know to do, but then you feel stuck. So you've, you sense a lack of progress on your life. You've been working out. You've been doing what you know to do. And then that stick or that block comes and you can feel you never get past it. So you're just, I'm done pushing. I'm done trying. I'm done. And then you allow lack of progress to rob what God wants to do in your life. So many times when you go to build your temple, it's never going to look like you expected. I can remember that this truth became real to me and then I graduated high school and then went on a journey to try to find myself and find God. And all the different places that it, it took and the, the weird relationships and the good relationships and the weird jobs and the good jobs. You ever been feel like your walk with God is just like this all the time? It's usually the reality of it. And so it, it usually never looks like we've expected. Again, we dream on four, five, and six, but God says, hey, you got to trust me daily. Chad at our men's breakfast shared an awesome word about uh, how to know God's will on a daily basis, not to, to look what five years down the road is. That's good to have those goals, but what is God saying for today? And what's my daily bread today? So again, it might not look like you expected, but when you're under grace and you're in the will of God, you can have a confidence that you're doing what God wants you to do. The Israelites begin to get a confidence and we're going to see this next next week and you're going to be so encouraged when you leave here next week because you're going to see what the blessings of obedience bring how are you thankful that god honors our obedience and blessing is on the other side of it so the israelites because they considered their ways because they chose the hard right over the easy wrong they wanted to be successful so they did consistent not just occasionally they begin to see blessing come into their lives. And I believe all of us in 2018, because we're considering our ways, we're starting the year off with Haggai, you're going to see blessing begin to come into your life because you're choosing the hard right over the easy wrong consistently. And you're not going to allow comparisons and lacks of progress to rob you. 
So look what the reality of the promise begin to, come, begin to came. Haggai chapter 2 verse 6 says, For this is what the Lord of heaven's army says. In just a little while, I will again shake the heavens and the earth. I want to pause there for a second. If you remember last week, we looked where he with, he, God said that he withheld the dew from the Israelites. So he uh, was kind of, God was orchestrating this uh, withholding of his blessing to get their attention. Now, many times in our lives, not all the time, but we have to put it into consideration. If there is a withholding or that sense of stuck, God loves us so much to put us in a place of stuck to get our attention, to get us to begin considering our ways, beginning to engage back with God because the purpose of our life is when we stand before God is to say, God, I, I tried to build you a temple. I built you a temple. I, I made room for the Holy Spirit in my life. And so Haggai, again, speaks of something, prefigures Jesus and what he was going to do and what the Holy Spirit was going to do and, and give us the power to be made into his likeness and to be transformed, that it can be done by his grace and by his help. Because many of us, the enemy just continues to tell us, you've screwed up too much, you've made too many bad choices, your past is always going to be on your shoulder, and never having the confidence and the boldness to understand that you are a new creation. When you repent, what do we look at last week? That when we find ourselves in a place of stuck, the quickest place to do is to fall on our knees and to repent. And out of that place of repentance, what always follows after repentance is renewal. Renewal comes into your life. And here's what they found themselves. As they repented, as God chastised them or, or took them into a place of discipline, because they responded to that, considered their ways, what you're reading now is what God began to do, and a blessing began to come back into their lives where they had provision to build the temple. He says, I will shake all the nations, and the treasures of all the nations will be brought to the temple. I will fill this place with glory, says the Lord of heavens. How many of you want to be filled with glory? The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The future glory of the temple will be greater than its past glory. Now that has to be mind-blowing in and of itself. When they're feeling so discouraged, they are comparing hardcore where their stage of life is with Solomon's. And God, through Haggai, is telling them, your temple is going to be greater than Solomon's. Now if you look at the dimensions and the structure of the temple, it wasn't bigger physically than Solomon's temple. But what he's saying is what's going to be on the inside of it is going to be far more glorious. And that's for you and I. You might have experienced abuse in your life or you might have walked through some really tough times. But God is saying, that, that I want to heal you of that and then I want to put my glory within you and it's going to be far greater than what you ever dreamt or what you ever imagined. I'm going to restore to you what was taken in your past. How many of you are thankful that God restores things that are taken in our past? And so he's encouraging them here that the future glory of this temple is going to be greater than its past glory. And it says, in this place I will bring peace. When you're in the will of God, when you're building his temple, there might be struggle and hard work and you're having to remind yourself to be strong but there's a peace within you 
because you're doing the work of God. You're doing the will of God. So it says, I will bring peace. I, the Lord of heaven's armies, have spoken. And what I want to leave you with and what I want to encourage you with is he sees your sacrifice this morning. God isn't blind to the sacrifice of pursuing him, of building his temple. He wasn't blind to the Israelite sacrifice. He loved them enough to put them again in that place of stuck. But he loved them enough. That's what we have have to understand about God is seasons are a big part of God. He uses seasons to get our attention, but we don't always stay in that season forever. Now, he puts the time frame in our hand because if the Israelites would have never considered their way, the will of God is going to be done whether he uses them or he uses somebody else. So, so many times we have to see when we find ourselves in a place of stuck again, what I pray, I don't take 24 days to drop to my knees and say, God, I'm considering my ways, but that I can have instant obedience and begin to start walking. Even though I'm going to struggle with comparison, lack of progress. You know, I reflect on my life and I think, man, what are, what's a weakness in my life? And being honest with you, you know, there's times feeling the weight of having to preach and to love and to look out for you spiritually and make sure that you're having an experience with God and God's moving and, and, and building your life. There's times after I'm done preaching or done sharing something with somebody, my mind just goes on overdrive and I begin to listen to the enemy saying, well, you should have said this or you should have said that. And all day on Sunday, I'm just replaying over of, you know, did I miss something? And I don't say that to say, to try to get a pat or say, Garrett's going to be okay. I'm just trying to be real of, of at different times of discouragement that I deal with. But I know I have to persevere. And I know the very thing that I struggle with now is going to bring confidence and power down the road. You can't allow the discouragement to keep you right here and to keep you crippled and, you know, oh, I got an injury, so I'm not going to preach this week. I'm not going to show up. God doesn't want that to happen. We are not a victim. The Israelites did not fall into victim mentality. We have to choose to get up and say, I am no victim. God has spoken. I'm going to consider my ways, and I'm going to continue to move forward come hell or high water. And God will see your sacrifice. He will bless it, and then glory will begin to come into your life. Again, how many of you want the glory of God to dwell in your life? Amen. And so I want to pray for you. You might find yourself in a place of discouragement, whether it be from a relationship to your family to a, something at work. Maybe there's a frustration in your life. Maybe there's a discouragement that has just been prying at you. My heart is that you wouldn't cut the process short. Abraham, God had spoken powerful things to Abraham. He would be the father of many nations. But when that promise came, there was so much time in between it and it was the time in between where he took things into his own hands and he had an Ishmael God's best was an Isaac but there was still an Ishmael and because of Abraham's repentant heart God still brought Isaac and still blessed and did but then there was still the Ishmael there there reminding him that he took things into his own hands 
My heart is, is that where you find yourself in that discouragement or in that stuck area, don't cut it short and have an Ishmael. Allow God's best to come forth through full fruition where you can have an Isaac. Look what scripture says. Galatians 6, 9. I love this one. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Father, I pray right now. God, that harvest is there. But we can't neglect one, two, and three. We have to go up to the mountain. We have to bring down the timber. And we have to build your house. God, I pray a spirit of consistency would come in our lives. That we would understand you paid the ultimate price where discouragement, frustration, weird relationships, tough situations are going to happen. Life is going to happen. But God, we thank you because the blood of Jesus, because the spirit of the living God that lives within us now right here God, we can persevere because of grace. Father, we, I ask right now that those who find themselves in a season of discouragement, that your power would come upon them, that a stirring would begin to happen, that they would hear God telling them right now, I'm with you. Be strong. Trust me, I'm with you. Stop comparing your family to that family. Stop comparing your life to that life. Focus on me, who's the author, the perfecter, the finisher of your faith. And watch what I'll begin to do in your life. Jesus, I pray that you reveal yourself right now. That your love would show us what you have for us. God, that there's blessing and obedience. Holy Spirit, I thank you for the work you're doing, that you are building a temple in our lives. We give you permission to do what you want to do. We give ourselves over to the Holy Spirit. Open us up to receive all that you have for us in 2018. God, I specifically pray for those that have relationships in their life, crews that are making their views, making their vision, making what you've put in front of them, God, begin to cloud them, begin to make them small, begin to discourage them. I pray that you bring right, healthy, prosperous relationships into the lives of your people this morning. God, that there's some relationships, in order for us to be the temple you've called us to be, we're going to have to cut off. We're going to have to say, you're in my past and you're not a part of my future. So God, I pray that you give confidence and strength to each and every one to make tough decisions to build the temple. God, you are with us. When we choose to consider our ways, you bring the dew back to the ground. Heaven's rain begins to, to rain upon us. The sun begins to shine upon us, and we begin to see the glory of God fall within us. And when the glory of God is within us, we can go and live out and be Jesus in our families, in our marriage. We can tell the world of the goodness of Jesus because it so radiates in our lives. Father, we thank you that this is a temple here, a gathering place church. And we give you permission, 
Holy Spirit, to do what you want to do. Heal brokenness. God, we want Jesus to be front and center and the power of the Spirit that motivated him. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for what you're doing. Touch our lives this week. Let us be consistent because successful people do consistently what others do occasionally. We want to be successful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yes.